0: Hello and welcome to the Binary Chain. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined with Tom. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Uh, just pretty much recovering from a, a long sickness. I was very, super sick. Oh man, that sounds so brutal. Yeah, you might hear it in my voice, but uh, or a cough here and there. But hopefully, it's not too bad.
1: You sound you sound better to me. I mean, I mean, it sounds like it took you out for
0: five days. That's like an yeah. that's <laughs> an epic flu right there. So I'm glad <laughs> you're feeling better. Yep. Uh, thank you. Uh, so since the last time we've talked um on the podcast, there actually hasn't been that much really significant news, right? Yeah, or,
1: there hasn't been a ton, and there's been like some stuff, but it's there's been like a lot of like
0: Facebook news, but I I don't really feel like talking about that. I don't know about oh, you. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's some Facebook and some Google news, and yeah. a lot of fake news related happenings too. But yeah, not not interested in that at all. I'm not actually even a Facebook user, so yeah, hard pass. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, so yeah, um, there are there were there were a couple small things. Um, I have a Vizio TV, so I was uh, I noticed that you also saw the news about the 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 failed merger. Do you want to just give us the background on that?
1: Yeah, sure. So this uh, Chinese company. Um, announced uh, i don't know like a year ago almost uh it's maybe a little less than that probably like nine months it's intention to buy um uh this uh, company called vizio which is a a largely one of the largest tv manufacturers here in the u.s they're actually a u.s based company they do a lot of their manufacturing in china and there was this this company called oh sorry all
0: about like a thin their company is just all about having like thin management and then just sort of outsourcing a lot of the production
1: yeah exactly and so you can get they have really well priced tvs um that are pretty like pretty great quality i mean they have a you know they have a whole line of um of models kind of spanning different market segments but um i you know they wouldn't like they don't necessarily compete with like sony or samsung or lg at the high end but at the like looks good and you know looks good externally from a design standpoint and, you know, good enough displays, like they are, they really nail that sweet spot with, um, with really some fantastic prices. So, uh, I, I think that they have like some great vision as well for, you know, in terms of like user interface and how to interact with technology. Um, and I think overall they're, they're a great company. So, um, this, this Chinese company, La Eco, uh, <laughs> it is called, uh, announced, you know, nine months ago that they were going to buy... Uh, by the company. And everyone is like, who is Lei Eco? Because no one's ever heard of that here in the US. Because apparently it's a big Chinese um electronics company uh that has very grand aspirations about the what they wanna sort of what kind of products they want to develop and they're probably best known for their smartphones and, and TVs in China where they essentially stamp out a whole bunch of um you know, high output, you know, look alike type models um, of sort of existing companies. And uh, they also own like a content studio in China and a sort of subscription video service. And they were looking into having like developing a connected Android bicycle, which is just bizarre. Um, an electric car an electric car self-driving car I mean like they wanted to do they wanted to take over the world and you know buying Vizio I guess was part of that vision at least that was like how they I think saw themselves entering the US market because being an unknown company um, you know the consumer electronics space is crowded it's a very cutthroat business with low margins uh, particularly like for TVs and and things like that um, as well as kind of like Unbranded smartphones, and they were gonna, you know, use Visio and their relationships with Best Buy and Costco and all that to kind of get their products in the door. But, um, it was a na- so they they entered the U.S. well, tried to enter the U.S. market with this big splash and did a whole bunch of press releases and a big, um, like kind of keynote event that, uh, supposedly made very little sense and was like totally bizarre. And they recently announced that the mergers, the merger is off. Um, it had been taking a long time to close, and I think people were getting curious as to what was happening. And they are chalking it up to regulatory issues, obviously. The sort of whole political dynamic between trade and how companies work together um, across countries is uh, strained, particularly as a, when it comes to China. Uh, China and (laughs) uh, and so the company cited regulatory hurdles for that um, you know particularly from the maybe the Chinese side who knows Um, but it has also come to light that the company is apparently very cash-strapped they burned a lot of cash um, trying to get into the market spending a lot of money on marketing and um, uh, and just generally run pretty pretty thin and so there was some speculation that they just didn't necessarily have the they didn't have the money for it. It's probably a combination of both. But I thought that was that was kind of funny. Um, just it's been quite a saga that on that uh, between those two companies.
0: Yeah, I mean, eco Le- is such a ridiculous company for so many reasons. So if they come in with this gigantic splash, like we're buying. We're, we're going to come out with electric cars, electric bikes, and we're buying this TV brand, and we have this great content strategy, and even though you've never heard of us, we're totally going to accomplish all this. Um, and then as you look into it, they definitely have substantial resources in China, and they were definitely not nobody, but mm-hmm. the... Like, uh, oh, all of a sudden, they have to scale back all of their projects because they don't have the money. Who could have possibly figured that would have been the case, you know? Yeah, and then um, this great content
1: strategy that no one could
0: really figure out what that strategy was exactly. <laughs> yeah, and the company is also a joke in the sense that, like, their phone was called the Phone, Their car was called the Car. The tablet was called the LePad. I mean, it was like, <laughs> I don't even... Le it's Pad. So D A without realizing it, you know? I, I just, it was never going to work. I was uh, like, is it, it?
1: It's like, is it a French company? Like, what, yeah. like what's up with the
0: LUS, you know? Yeah, and a French company would definitely not be naming it like that, so. Yeah. So, do you know what ECO stands for? Mm-mm. Ecosystem.
1: That's why it's oh. all LUS, because it's all part of the same ecosystem.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> Clever. They've really out clevered us. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was a little sad that they were buying Vizio because Vizio is this kind of American success story and well-run and well-managed, and uh, they make a lot of really good trade-offs. Uh, although they've also made some really poor decisions in terms of uh, they were shadow collecting everybody's TV viewing information and sending phoning it back home. Yeah. Um, which was an opt-out feature uh, in a kind of cryptically named section of the... Very deep in the TV menus, I think they they got a lot of hate for that. Um, yeah. Now, oh God,
1: I feel like we could say a lot of things about that um, <coughs> privacy, like the sort of intersection between privacy, data, and you know, internet-connected devices. Uh, in this, again, in this political environment, I feel like everything's just kind of going to crap. Like, there's really very. Very little desire to have any type of oversight from a government standpoint on that, which is um, a little scary for, you know, if you're a consumer and not the CEO of a big megacorp. But
0: um, I, you know, we don't have to yeah, go. We- such as Pie allowing the cell phone companies to, under Trump's direction, to uh, sell your data basically it was they couldn't sell your data before and now they can sell your data well they so, could do it
1: before but you had to opt in but now they can just do it without you actually having to you know acquiesce to
0: that because apparently paying for services is not enough <laughs> uh, yeah they have to double dip on the revenue stream because that's what capitalism requires yeah and those companies
1: are so constrained for growth and their profit margins are so thin oh wait i'm sorry verizon wireless do you have a 45 percent ebitda margin that's ridiculous very few companies have that so Yeah, I
0: mean, these companies print money like no other companies. And yet, because of the gut feeling, we must take off regulation, you know? Yeah. Uh,
1: So, Eco, I'm sorry, Vizio got sort of slammed. um, I think they got fined by the FTC, uh, probably under the Obama administration. um, (laughs) They won't uh, be
0: doing that anymore.
1: Yeah, for, uh, you know, not letting, not asking for users' permission to collect their data. And there's this like i feel like people should know about this there's this technology in televisions uh called acr it stands for automatic content recognition and what it does is it it's software that's built into the hardware of the tv the actual display like in in the display drivers and it scans every frame of what you're watching on tv or, or has the capability of doing so and then You know, taking a bit of like a watermark, you know, let's say like taking a couple data points for what's on that and comparing it to a whole bunch of reference content sources they have on their side to identify what it is you're watching at any given time. Um, And so what Vizio was doing was collecting this data and then they wanted to create a new revenue stream for themselves um, by selling that to advertisers, to content companies, to... Reporting and analytics companies, so that you know they, companies, advertisers, all these different parties can get a sense of what people are actually watching, because measurement standards for what people are watching on television are actually fairly outdated. Um, oh, the sort of main measurement standard is uh, is run by a company called Nielsen, uh, and it is. You know, it started out many, many years ago, like let's say in like the 50s, 60s. Um, and what they did was, you know, networks wanted to know how many people were watching their TV shows. Um, and so they had a panel of, let's say, like 5,000 people that were representative of the overall US population. And they had them literally journal, like write down what they were watching and when. Um, and today it's a little bit more advanced. They still have a panel of people, but they have like the special box and it, um, is able to sort of like tell what you're what you're watching based off of some watermarks that are in the audio and whatever it, it's totally fine it's a panel of people who are essentially you know paid a de minimis fee um, to or maybe it's not so de minimis but they're pa- they're they're compensated for participating in this but it's fairly antiquated because it's a panel it's not a census level um poll of what everybody is watching at any given time. You're, you know, you're relying on, you know, 3,000 people to sort of represent like what's happening in the entire country. And uh, as viewing kind of fragments, that's becoming increasingly hard to do. It's also hard to do when you have content coming, not just from traditional TV, like you used to consume video, but from Netflix, from Hulu, from Amazon instant video, from, you know, YouTube, so on and so forth, all these various apps that are now accessible on on, on your TV, it's hard to really get an accurate picture so ACR, so that's like a long-winded explanation about why the industry uh, thinks ACR could be a great way to kind of measure um, and potentially help make more money off of, off of you know advertising and, uh, and other other data sources. But the issue with Vizio is that they were doing this without people's permission, and so they got, they got slapped with. Um, with some FTC fines I believe. Um but funny story Andrew, literally 2 days ago, my TV at home was like, "Hey, do you want better content recommendations? If so, sign up and acquiesce to the terms of XYZ." And I was like, "I know exactly what this is and no thank you." Um, and it was it's being run by a company called Samba TV which uh, bakes its ACR technology. They have partnerships with some of the, like the leading um, TV manufacturers, and so they probably share the data with the TV manufacturers, and then use. I know for a fact they use that data, and they try to sell it to TV networks and and others to help them um, better understand what people are doing. So this is like this is really happening out there. Luckily for now, it's all opt in um, or especially at Travizio, so you have to actually say, yes, I I agree to this. Now, it probably won't be presented as, hey, Big Brother's going to watch what you're doing. They'll probably say, hey, we'll scan your TV to give you some great content recommendations. Um, because I haven't actually opted in, I can't say whether that's worth it or not, but I find that there's no way it would be worth it, um, realistically. There's no way, like, my my Sony TV is going to be able to you know, recommend content from a whole bunch of different sources and then easily allow me to access those content through multiple sources. Um, that's just a level of sort of integration that I think is highly
0: unlikely. And that's all I got to say about ACR. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this about this technology. Um, the one thing that I have working in my favor is that uh my television's Wi-Fi is so unreliable that I doubt that they can get their own information off of there. Um, is that because you're far away from the router? or No, I'm, I'm literally like, there's a wood door separating the, where my router is and where that is and everything else works perfectly right. it. And so I ended up getting a Roku because I couldn't rely on the internal Wi-Fi of the TV. It basically like, if you turn the TV on and then you turn it off immediately and then you turn it back on. It will take forever to turn the TV on, but the Wi-Fi will work. But other than that, it will not work at all. I think so, that might be a
1: Vizio thing because I have, a, um, I got my in-laws a Vizio, and I had a lot of issues, um, at least initially, with the Wi-Fi just being kind of crappy and not really holding its signal. It's gotten a little bit better, but I don't. As as you said, I I've moved from other you know to other sources of
0: of I think content it's just because the TVs are just most, so so many TVs are commoditized pieces of garbage, basically, that they're not doing a great job at nailing their, like, Wi-Fi stack on their TV, and, you know, they have a lot of one-off, or, or there's a lot of fragmentation in terms of what's running on these, like, Samsung has so many different varieties of their um, TV software implementation uh, that, yeah, we have plenty of friends with Samsungs who cl- complain about really... Sketchy reliability on the Wi-Fi, um, and I just think that unless you get a high-end TV, there's just even with a high-end TV, they're not really doing a good job implementing that because that's not their core competency. I will, and they're just commoditized. You know, it's just there's not that much incentive to do that. Yeah, I will say my
1: LG OLED has I, I've been pretty happy with it. I I use Wi-Fi to connect on that, um, and. I've been pretty happy, but that definitely
0: was on the higher end of TVs when I purchased it. So yeah, yeah, I think that's probably it goes a long way towards that. I mean, even companies like Nintendo are like not properly implementing wireless. Uh, I don't know if you saw on the Switch, uh, which is the new kind of like Nintendo portable console. It has these two little remotes called Joy Cons, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you noticed that uh, the signal in the left Joy Con p- causes a lot of problems with a lot of people. Uh, yeah. Because the antenna design on the inside is just not properly done on one of the Joy Cons.
1: Yeah, I I did see something about that in the news, and uh, I I don't know if it's surprising or not surprising
0: that like there's issues with that. There's uh, an easy fix. All you have to do is open it up and just solder a wire to the lead, and then it works perfectly.
1: Hmm. So just like the the antenna just wasn't big enough, I guess.
0: Yeah, and in the other one, the antenna is given a lot more space for it, so. It's just like a, a little, a little point. It's not even a real antenna on the left one. On the right one, it's a real like little small bar of on the PCB board. Yeah, you know, I feel like wireless
1: is hard, you know. Um, and I think in our, you know, today's today's consumers, like our homes, our apartments are so awash in so many different wireless signals, which theoretically shouldn't interfere with each other because they're all allocated a certain spectrum of the band uh, a certain part of the spectrum the wireless spectrum um but i just feel like interference issues are always going to make things tricky especially as the number of devices increases like I, i think about my apartment and i have a wi-fi network i have cordless phones which operate on a different frequency i have um you know obviously our cell phones are there so that's on another wireless frequency I have these remote, like these RF or radio frequency remote controls that communicate wirelessly to, um, you know, a little like hub in the media cabinet, which then uses IR blasters to control everything. It's a very janky system, but it generally works. But that's just yet another wireless, um, wireless standard. And then I have like headphones that are wireless. You know, like there's just like so many things. And. I just feel it's like it's a noisy environment. it's a know? very noisy environment, and then by the way, we have like multiply that by like I live in Manhattan, so all the neighboring apartments have wi wireless signals also pinging around everywhere.
0: maybe it's a little the-
1: n- nicer and out where you are in San Francisco. I feel like the apartments aren't quite as on top of each other.
0: yeah, there's a little bit a little bit more space here, but even then if I go up to my little wi fi signal at the top there there that is a huge list of them (laughs) so um it's even this is definitely a noisy environment too and so yeah and a lot of there's a lot of dual routers that are doing 2.4 and 5 gigahertz which is just even more noise floating around but um if you can be on 5 gigahertz that does that does help a lot i wonder what i'm on right now you're probably on 5 gigahertz Actually, you probably—I think you're net—we probably have dual-band routers in your apartment. Uh, yeah. So, right, if you are you on a Mac right now?
1: I am, and I'm literally right next to an airport, uh, like a newish Airport Extreme. But believe it or not, I'm connected via 2.4. Uh, oh
0: really? Oh, I'm on 2.4 too. Actually, that's funny.
1: And I'm not even on AC, which is interesting. I'm on 802.11n.
0: Um. Yeah, that's what I'm on. I'm on and as well, but I think my router is just N. I don't have an AC router. Um, I find not a I, lot of things connects does... AC when you do have one, so you're probably not missing much. Oh, you know what? This the problem is here is I'm just using a freely old MacBook Pro. I don't think it actually has a five gigahertz uh uh-huh. inside of it. So gotcha. that would that would be that. Gotcha, gotcha.
1: That makes sense. So. Um... So yeah, back to the Vizio topic really quick. So they, you know, it's interesting they they just announced like their new TVs, yada yada. I mean, like every company's always coming out with new models. Um, but Vizio sort of like I would say about a year ago made a, a lot of noise in the press about um trying to like reinvent what it was like to interact with your smart TV. So yeah. His, yeah. historically Um, so, you know, smart TVs ran their own, uh, custom operating system or maybe one of like a handful of smart TV based operating systems. And you, you could access content, um, from video content from sources other than your cable box, like through Netflix, Hulu, and, you know, a whole bunch of other video based apps. And Vizio made a big splash saying, Hey, we're moving away from apps. People really you know when people watch tv they always have their smartphones people want to just be able to fling content from their smartphone to their tv and we think that is going to be the primary user interface element for watching digital content on a television screen and so what they did was they did away with the apps they started at at, at with their higher end tvs they started bundling like an android tablet with like a little sort of interface of apps that you could Um, the compatible apps on that tablet. Uh, And then if you wanted to watch something on the TV screen from, uh, you know, a digital video source, you, you know, you would use essentially Chromecast. Chromecast was, or a cast, I guess, is the underlying technology that Google uses, um, was sort of embedded natively in the TV. And that was the really only and primary way that you could access content on the TV. Um, but Andrew, did you see the news about like the recent news about that?
0: Yeah, about the yeah, new yeah, TVs. Yeah.
1: So, so yeah, their, their new TVs they're like now going completely back to the other direction. Uh, they're starting to, they're starting to put apps now back on their TVs. So I guess my guess is that like people were just too confused by it because like, While, Andrew, like, you and I are like, oh, yeah, Chromecast, that sounds super convenient. My guess is if you look at, like, the population, the general population in total, you know, all demographics, it was probably, like, I think it would be difficult to explain to our parents and, you know, my in-laws how casting works and the whole concept and getting content on, you know watching netflix through a casting experience on their tv versus just sort of a smart tv which is already um you know it took some training back
0: back in the day when like apple tvs came out so yeah i mean i used google chromecast for years and um i i still do on occasion for little little things here and there and even though i like it i just i couldn't i don't think i could recommend it to anyone else and it's also not my final solution that i've settled down on because Um, it's slow and it requires you to use a companion device. And sometimes you just want to use the remote to your TV and not use your phone or a tablet. Yeah. That's, that is an inherently a lot of friction that you're putting into the process. And ultimately choosing something to watch is not a, it's only a few clicks. So like, so for something like YouTube, Having a companion device, which is how I use YouTube, Uh, I just like use the YouTube app on my phone and I either have it connected to my Roku through their own proprietary thing or um, to my Chromecast. And you're using the app and you can type and search through videos and you're hopping around a lot, so it's really helpful to do it that way. But for the most part, you're just clicking on your your HBO app, it loads up, the first icon is the most recent thing that they've posted, it's like Game of Thrones, you click it and then you just hit play and then that's what, four clicks, three clicks? Uh, it's just not really something that requires the whole complexity the delay the lag because when you use Chromecast you're typically sending the signal to to like pause it the signal is going from your phone to Google servers from Google servers back to the TV which is a lot you know it's, it's only like two seconds but that assumes that your iPhone has the app loaded uh, and it's in focus and the app doesn't need to get warmed up again because it's been put to sleep because it's been 10 minutes since you've used it and then reestablish the connection and then you pause it. And, like, that can be a surprising amount of friction just to pause the content. And the TVs remotes do have play and pause, but you also can't, like... like auto playing to the next video doesn't work in the same way because you can't interact with the TV with the remote and the Chromecast app to tell it to autoplay to the next thing you have to unlock your phone and then tell that to auto play. So you have some functionality on the remote, which is play pause volume, uh, seek forward and back. Uh, but then for a lot of other stuff, you have to go to the phone. It's not, there's like a big disconnect there. You're not quite sure what functionality is on what side. Um, all this can be, served by apps which already exist on so many tv connected platforms Mm -hmm. uh whether it's android tv or google tv sorry uh whether it's uh android tv or the fire tv stick or roku which is owned by samsung and uh there's just netflix has figured out how to deploy an, an app onto every tv platform and have it just work pretty well so i think it's a much better solution and ultimately that's why i have a roku yeah I, you know, I think
1: your um, insight into how you use YouTube and you, you kind of prefer the app, the companion app experience there because you're searching around like highlights an interesting point. Like if you need to search and do typing, that's a total pain. Um, oh, and it's a horrible experience. Brutal, brutal on a TV with a remote. And that's really where an app can shine because you have the keyboard on on your phone. Um, or potentially where voice control could come into play. So instead of typing out whatever it is you're looking for, you, if you could just talk to your remote or something like that, that would be, um, that's a, that's a good interaction sort of paradigm. Um, but as you mentioned with, with, with interfaces where you don't really have to search and this content is, is the content recommendations are good and surface in a way where it just takes a few clicks to get the content. It seems like it would be an unnecessary step to whip out your phone. So yeah. And these new TVs, they're, uh, they're going back to apps, but they are also keeping the casting functionality in there too. So you can actually, you can do either. You can cast if you want, or you can use the, the apps on the TV, which, which is nice. It kind of gives functionality, uh, for everyone, um, and kind of lets people access content the
0: way that they see fit. Um, yeah, 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 and one, one nice thing about casting that you can't really replace on any other platform is the ability to send your uh, Chrome window, basically. So if you're in Google Chrome, you can just cast your entire screen share to it. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah, that has some nice things, because not everything... Some things are just really hard to get onto the TV. Uh, so one of those might be like, getting <coughs> sorry uh get <coughs> getting amazon to your content to your tv it's actually surprisingly difficult yeah uh if you don't have either a roku or an amazon or like only like there's no amazon app for the apple tv and there's no amazon app for what was the other one for oh, Chrome. chromecast yeah it's not yeah.
1: for chromecast either
0: so amazon always consumer friendly except when
1: uh <laughs> they don't want to like seat any business control then um they're not so consumer friendly
0: yeah seriously unless you
1: buy a fire tv and i'm like hmm, i thought it was customer first hmm, what, and they don't that?
0: yeah definitely not they don't they don't mess with apple and google just because they're like valley competitors you know even though they're not in the valley but can't trust companies just cannot <laughs> So, actually, that's what led me to, I I only had two choices for my TV connected box. I was either going to get a Roku or an Amazon uh, Fire TV because I really, I I don't watch anything on Prime, but I did want to watch the Grand Tour, so I didn't want to uh, have some artificial bullshit constraint. Before, what I was doing is I was just watching Amazon Prime video on my desktop computer in a Chrome window and just casting the entire Chrome tab to my TV, but that does not work nearly as well and also you can't pause it from your tv mhm i mean is there a latency with
1: the video like i like that makes me think of if i am let's say i'm like doing a presentation with like on, on a conference call and i have a webex and i try to play a video across that it just never it never works well
0: yeah the uh, believe it or not the audio and the video carry in sync properly there is latency but if the audio is set to come out of the tv and not your computer then uh, it's all perfectly in sync. It's just there. It's you don't notice the latency because they come together.
1: That's great then.
0: Yeah. Uh, you would not want to play a video game over it. So. Gotcha. But for oh, that's worth. But for video, it's fine. Yeah, I, I mean that compares actually my video card. You can do this really weird thing with NVIDIA video cards where you can, uh, do display capture and then send it over your network. And because it's, the video capture is being done on the video card itself of the computer, um, the latency is incredibly low. And you can, like, play a video game. I have this app on my tablet. And you can play a video game with sub-20 millisecond between the computer to... What? Yeah, it's it, the, the latency is outrageously low. Is that uh, you, part of... You can, like, Rocket League is a little tough. You can feel the latency there. But for, uh, like, a real-time strategy, it works perfectly.
1: And so, is that built into the NVIDIA GeForce
0: Experience program? Yeah, exactly. I think it's uh, the app I use called Moonlight, but it basically uses uh, NVIDIA open sourced whatever their secret sauce is uh, for the network protocol stuff. So, it's not too hard for other people to implement. it. Uh, and it runs over your Wi Fi network. Um, so, that's kind of insane that it, because like with the Nintendo Wii U, there is a Wi-Fi network, a direct Wi-Fi network made between the console and the uh, tablet portion of it. So you're not going through your router, and you're not sharing any network space with your home devices. It's just a direct device-to-device, device, which is why uh, Nintendo gets the latency lower through that mechanism than if you plug your Wii U up to your TV.
1: Okay, but
0: that if you
1: sort of exceed 20 feet away from your Wii U. The controller will stop working. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. Yeah. Um, so that also... So what... I'm just curious. If you're using that NVIDIA functionality to play a game using your tablet as the display, and it's the game mm. running on your PC, how? what's the control
0: mechanism? So... Like, how do you control your... A couple times that I did this, the control mechanism that I set up was a wireless Xbox Three Sixty uh, Xbox One controller. Okay. Uh, uh, and that was when I I did this when I had the Oculus, so I had the Xbox One USB adapter. I see. Okay. So as long as the uh, controller is in range, then of the computer, it'll work. Yeah, and you can do you can, yeah. It's weird because you have to like open a game, and but there is a way to just do it with your entire computer and operating system which could be good for like watching video and stuff like that i suppose
1: yeah i love like finding these little hacks you know
0: it's fun you're like yes i'd make bet i'd make technology bend to my will <laughs> <laughs> um i think this is like what all the streaming applications piggyback on nowadays too oh interesting okay like there's some like uh twitch display streamer software that that use that utilizes this
1: Oh yeah, because there's a lot of broadcasting that happens, obviously.
0: Yeah. On Twitch, um, do you have a do you have a TV connected box I already? Go back to that. Do I have a? T- or are you just using the built-in applications on your TVs? So.
1: Both, uh, I kind of do both. I recently, so I have a couple TVs, and I recently bought um, Apple TVs for a bunch of them, like the new generation, like a bunch mm-hmm. of them. So three TVs. I use Apple TVs on um, two of them. Uh, the TVs are Sony TVs. They have Android TV built into it, but I I probably could use the Android TV, um, but I didn't know if they were gonna have an HBO, and I didn't really do a lot of research. It was a very unlike me kind of move, but um, I don't know. I was like, I want this Apple TV. Um, it seems it seems cool. Although I have been fairly disappointed in the apple tv because i found that it is really buggy um it like it's it freezes up sometimes um i i previously like a couple years ago had the older apple tv the original one that one never froze it's always always fine always running uh but i find the new one a little buggy um sometimes like I'll get, like, an error message, but there's no text in the display of the message. There's just a phantom button that I need to press. And I'm like, okay, what do I do with this? Um, A lot of times I, like, can't get into the settings because, like, the settings app has, like, somehow crashed. Um, Sometimes it just kind of seizes up. So, I've been a little disappointed with it. Uh, That being said, (coughs) like generally it generally does work pretty well uh it's got a lot of apps for it which is which is great if you're like if you are interested in exploring applications outside of the big three or four video services uh and the remote while i guess not necessarily like super ergonomic or anything is kind of handy like fly around interfaces because it's touch sensitive Oh, and and you can, like, search with your voice sometimes. That's kind of nice.
0: Yeah, I I just... I really don't like the remote for that system, and I I feel (sighs) like it kind of ruins it for me, so...
1: I actually use a universal remote most of the time, so I'm stuck to very basic
0: up, down, left, right, select, and menu buttons. And you can still watch Amazon Prime content with an Apple TV. You just have to do it through a different method, right? No. you You have to, like, go through the app and... App... Or what what's their airplay airplay your, your, your video to it. You know, I actually haven't tried that. What I do is then I just
1: use the smart TV interface. Oh, nice. Um, now I also have game consoles, which, you know, so do you, Andrew? And, and those are actually probably in my opinion of the best, uh, media devices because they're powerful, uh, the Xbox, you know, Xbox with Microsoft and Sony PlayStation have very large install bases. So, um, particularly on the, well, they have both very large install bases, and so there's not a lot of question from developers or services whether or not to develop an app for it. It's always kind of like a no-brainer. So they're they're they're, they're Availability of apps on those platforms are generally pretty good. PlayStation is not quite as big uh, because historically, from a business perspective, they were very their term their app development terms were very onerous. Uh, they were always trying to extract a ton of value from whichever service wanted to be on its on its box, whether that's charging them for access or um you know, keeping a piece of the revenue. I I'm not was never privy to like the details of those deals, but I do know that PlayStation historically had much more owners business terms. Whereas Microsoft was uh much more open um and encouraging for developers to create content uh apps for for the Xbox. So the Xbox catalog is like quite great um in terms of just like sheer number of apps. Hmm. But I don't know. I do. So do you have an Xbox. Uh, do you use that at all for streaming video?
0: Uh, I don't. And the reason I don't use that for streaming video is again comes down to the fact that it's a like an Xbox remote and not a TV remote, and therefore just doesn't work that well for navigation, um, in my opinion. And it just seems like it's all like a very heavy experience to kind of like boot up the Xbox and go like dig around my games to the apps. And honestly, I don't use my Xbox that much. So this is kind of on me uh, because every time I turn it on, there's like an update or the UI is significantly changed. (laughs) And I'm just like, what's happening? Uh, Contrast that to like opening up, just switching to the Roku input. And that thing is like an always on single purpose device for that need. And it, um also i uh, uh for a long time the low power aspect of tv connected devices was definitely a fa- like a pretty big hindrance but uh now their newest generation is like starts and stops videos extremely quickly like they don't have th- whatever they do in terms of like starting with no buffer and then increasing their buffer to make sure that they can seek and then when they seek they're super fast at seeking um i just feel like that works so well in those boxes that are purpose-built that i just end up uh, using that for that
1: yeah no it sounds like i
0: mean you have a roku sounds like you had a great experience with that um a lot Uh, the has ir though that's my only beef with the roku it's ir and not bluetooth remote oh yeah that's and not a good one at that it's a pretty shitty ir blaster that it has in it
1: which roku do you have
0: I have the Roku 3. It's like the 4K one that does not have HDR, but it has uh, 4K, which kind of matches my TV pretty well because my TV doesn't have HDR.
1: Oh, that makes sense. So yeah, no need to spend on that extra feature.
0: Yeah. Also, Chromecast that they're including with these 4K TVs is not 4K. So it's like 1080 Chromecast, even though there exists a Chromecast that's 4K.
1: Yeah, that seems like a missed opportunity. (laughs) Cause 4K, I actually really like 4K content. I um, <clears throat> so I have an Xbox uh, Xbox One S that has a 4K Blu-ray player, and I was eagerly anticipating the release of Planet Earth 2 on Blu 4K Blu-ray, and it has 4K and HDR. It's hooked up to this um, beautiful OLED display, and it looks bananas. Um, uncompressed, I'm not subject to internet bandwidth and. <laughs> Um, it really looks beautiful, but there's really there still is not a lot of content out in 4K. A lot of Netflix's originals are available in 4K, as um, as are Amazon's. But at the end of the day, that's still a minority of the catalog. And if you're thinking about any traditional television content that you might watch through your cable box, that is still pretty much all just high definition, not not 4K so
0: yeah the the vast majority of the 4k content that i watch should say if not all of it is like youtube stuff yeah actually Mm -hmm. that makes Um, sense because you don't have to pay extra for youtube they'll just they'll feed you the 4k signal if they have the 4k so it ends up being a lot of like marquise brownie (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's funny um so that being
1: so because i have this 4k that's actually a good segue because i just want to make one last point before we wrap um the podcast um I feel like smart TV interfaces, like the, the actual apps that are built into your TV set and don't require this third-party device, are actually becoming quite decent. Um, you know, they used to be really, really poorly designed, underpowered, um, clunky interfaces with apps that were not updated frequently. And I feel like they've actually have have had a comeback. So you know, even though I don't really use the Sony's um, smart TV interface, it's it's powered by Android TV, which is an ecosystem. Okay, maybe buggy, but at least like maintained by Google. Um, and then my LG has this like has this WebOS interface. Whatever, it's actually pretty fantastic. The remote is like motion sensitive, like a Wii, and it works really well. The apps generally are 4K enabled. Um, and so that is my main source of 4K content. I use my smart TV interface. Um, and I, I, I kind of wonder how much longer the Rokus and the Apple TVs and the Amazon Fire sticks are going to be necessary because if you can already stream, if the smart TV interfaces are becoming good enough for you to really get you know, 90% of your video content from them, I feel like the selling point for, you know, spending, you know, even if it's like 50 to $150 on an extra device (coughs) seems unnecessary.
0: Yeah. Yep. Especially when it's giving you largely the exact same, literally the exact same content.
1: Yeah. So, (laughs) um, so I heard a rumor and I don't know if this is true for all TVs, but I heard that, you know, Vizio, as we mentioned early in the podcast, is going to start, putting apps, again, back on his TV. I heard that they were updating the firmware on some of the 2016 TVs to um, to implement that app interface. So, Andrew, I don't know if your TV is going to get that. It probably depends on, like, a whole number of random factors that neither of us will ever understand. Um, but uh, if, it, if it does come out and you can access all these apps through the Vizio, I'd be interested to hear if you still use the Roku. Maybe because it's, like... 4k enabled and all that fun stuff but like it, it'd be interesting to see how those two experiences compare
0: well if my tv is eligible and i qualify this with it is able to update itself because just to go back to how incredibly buggy the software is um it failed to update itself like it updated when i got it the first time and then after that it hasn't been able to update so yeah uh, okay we'll see because the, the, i think it's a combination of the wi-fi and the actual updating software so
1: yeah i mean if the wi-fi drops out halfway through the download that's not that does not make for a happy tv
0: yeah and i have a roku behind the tv that is that is streaming 4k content with absolutely no hiccups so.
1: yeah so i you'll probably be sticking with the roku It sounds like yeah
0: well we'll yeah i mean we'll see but if i if i can i will absolutely give that a shot yeah after this i'll look into the timing and um i'll look into my model and see if it's supported we'll, we'll check it next time all right, cool. Well, uh, I got to split because uh, it's a beautiful California day here, so we're gonna go for a picnic. Ooh, that sounds nice. Uh, yeah. So. It's um, very
1: civilized. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> uh,
0: just hopefully I can like sterilize my my remaining infection with sun bleach, basically. Ah, oh, nice. I'm sure it'll help. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, have a good night, and uh, uh, we'll uh, get up another episode too, because uh, we have a little bit more on the agenda to get through. So. Um, well, I uh, hope we do this next week, too.
1: All right. Sounds great. Uh-huh. Well, uh, I guess um, good chatting and uh, talk to you soon. Great. Thanks. Have a good night. Bye. Right. Bye. You, too.